Our scripture reading this evening is from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16, reading the entire chapter. Proverbs 16, uh, beginning at verse 1, let us hear the word of God. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in his heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. An oracle is on the lips of a king. His mouth does not sin in judgment. A just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. It is an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. A king's wrath is a messenger of death, and the wise man will appease it. In the light of a king's face there is life. And his favour is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. How much better to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the pride. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the destruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. A worker's appetite works for him, 
His mouth urges him on. The worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. At its honest man spreads strife, and the whisperer separates close friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things. He who purses his lips brings evil to pass. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Amen. So reads God's holy word. Well, I would ask you to turn with me again to uh, the book of Proverbs, to chapter 16, where we'll find our text this evening. Subject of the sermon, divine sovereignty, divine sovereignty. The subject of God's sovereignty is a vital subject and yet very often neglected. Uh, We live in a world where the impression is constantly given that man is king, whereas the reality is God is king. In my childhood, uh, I learned answers to the questions in the Shorter Catechism. And one of the first questions, question number seven, uh, the question is simple, what are the decrees of God? Uh, The answer that I memorized then, the decrees of God are his eternal purpose, according to the counsel of his will, For by for his own glory he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. Now in my my childhood uh, I didn't understand fully uh, the implications and the application uh, of that answer. And yet I I understood this much that, that God had an exact and detailed plan for my life. And that nothing and no one could frustrate that plan. As the future unfolds, we are often surprised by the outworking of events, sometimes pleasantly surprised, pleasantly surprised by the uh, success of the Asher's appeal uh, at the Supreme Court in London in October uh, 2018. And then on other occasions, we can be sadly shocked And we were sadly shocked by the result of the Irish referendum regarding abortion in May 2018. But no matter what happens, be it good or be it evil, it is the outworking of God's sovereign purpose. Tonight we will consider a text from the chapter which we read from the book of Proverbs chapter 16. And in this chapter, we discover the doctrine of God's sovereignty clearly stated on a number of occasions. For example, verse 1, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue 
is from the Lord. Verse 4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. And then verse 9 which is our text this evening. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And it's from this text that we will, uh, I trust, see the the clearly defined, clearly set forth, the sovereignty of God. Before us we have the picture of a man making all kinds of plans, But at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of his life, who determined the course that he followed? God and God alone. Why am I a minister of the gospel? I had other plans for my life, other ambitions, but God put me into the ministry. And I am a minister of the gospel today because of God's overruling sovereignty in my life. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. From this text and other related texts in this chapter of Proverbs and many other references in scripture, we see that God and God alone is the ultimate reason behind all things. God is the explanation behind everything that is in the world and all that happens in the universe. Isaiah 46 and verse 10. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. When speaking to to God, Job said regarding man, Job 14, verse 5, Since his days are determined, and the number of his months is with you, you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. Well, as we explore the the subject of divine sovereignty this evening, we will uh, consider it in four different ways. First of all, God's sovereignty with respect to time. God's sovereignty with respect to time. We ask the question, if God determines man's steps, when did he do so? In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, we have an aspect of God's plan being discussed. God's plan to have a people spend eternity with him. And when was that plan devised? Ephesians 1 verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. So when when was that plan determined? Before the foundation of the world. And so from this text and other verses of scripture we discover that God's plan is eternal. It was before the world was. 
God's plan is something that he always had. With you and me, it's very different. There is a time when we don't have a plan. Then we take time to figure out what is the best plan. And then halfway through the execution of the plan, we may radically decide to alter it. But not so with God. God does not plan from day to day as we do or as we tend to do. Nor nor does he ever change his plan. Psalm 33 verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. God's sovereignty with respect to time. Then secondly, God's sovereignty with respect to detail. God's sovereignty with respect to detail. When Sandra and I go on holiday, uh, we plan the dates, but not the details. The details are worked out along the way and frequently from day to day. That's a bit of an ambition to make, but that's how we operate. But with God, his sovereignty extends not only to dates, but also to details. In our text, the sovereignty of God in a man's life is not spoken of in a, a general sort of way. No, it is with respect to steps. The Lord establishes his steps, the details of his life. Is it any wonder then that the psalmist could say in Psalm 31 verse 15, My times are in your hands. Or that Paul could say to the Athenians concerning the Lord, Acts 17 28, In him we live and move and have our being. People may put many aspects of their lives down to accident or or to coincidence, or to chance, or or luck. But when we have the sovereignty of God in view, there is no such thing as accident. There is no such thing as coincidence. There is no such thing as chance or luck. The closing words of this chapter make that very clear. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision It's from the Lord. Before King Ahab went into battle, a prophet of the Lord revealed to him what was about to happen. And he informed Ahab of of, uh, what the Lord had revealed to him. To Ahab, he said, the Lord has decreed disaster for you. Wicked Ahab dismissed the prophetic warning. Yet nevertheless, he he went into battle in disguise just in case, just in case he would be targeted. However, the prophetic word of God came to pass. 1 Kings 22 from verse 34. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. King Ahab 
had received a mortal wound. From the human perspective, it appeared to be chance. It appeared to be coincidence. But the arrow was directed by the Lord to its target, to accomplish God's will, to fulfill his sovereign eternal purpose. And this is a truth that you and I must imbibe. It's a truth that you and I must receive. It's a truth that you and I must mull over in our minds. The amazing detail of God's sovereignty extends not only to to every aspect of, of our lives, to every aspect of human existence, but to every detail of God's created world. Matthew 10, 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Why does our faith stagger at such concepts? Is it not because our understanding of God, our concept of God is is too small? It is too impoverished? We tend to think that that God is just someone a bit bigger than we are and we limit him and we, we narrow down his sovereignty because of that. But remember, our God is great. Our God is glorious. And in our contemplation of his absolute sovereignty, we need to cry out with Paul when he appeared overwhelmed by the attributes of God, especially his sovereignty and salvation. Romans 11 from verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The final words of that doxology uh, remind us of the third thing that we want to consider with respect to God's sovereignty. And that is God's sovereignty with respect to purpose. God's sovereignty with respect to purpose. We've considered God's sovereignty with respect to time. We have considered God's sovereignty with respect to detail. And now God's sovereignty with respect to purpose. What is the divine purpose? What is God's purpose in his infinite uh, and his absolute and in his detailed plan? Well, the Catechism uh, gives us the answer in a nutshell, uh, a truth that is, is expressed in many parts of Scripture. The decrees of God are his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory, for his own glory, He has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. So there we have the purpose of it all. For his own glory. Well expressed in Revelation 4 and verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Or Romans 11 verse 36 again. For from him and through him and to him are all things. 
To him be glory forever. Amen. God's sovereignty with respect to purpose for his own glory. Sometimes you may, be, you may be left wondering, why has this happened to me? And you can have difficulty arriving at an answer. But there is an answer. It has happened to you for God's glory. Even though in this life you may never be able to see the connection between what has happened to you and God being glorified. But that's the truth that scripture reveals. Or concerning others. Uh, Why has something happened to them? Some problem in their life, some difficulty, some illness. We could take, for example, Job in scripture. Why? Why did he lose his family? Why did he lose his business? Why did he lose his health? Well, we're given a glimpse behind the scenes. We know that what was going on. It was God, that, God would, that God would be glorified through the ongoing faith of Job in the midst of all his trials. And that brought glory and honour to the Lord. Job's wife wanted him to curse God and die. But Job's response, the response of faith, though he slay me, though he do his worst to me, yet will I trust him. A man who accepted God's sovereignty over his life. And as a consequence, God was glorified. God's sovereignty with respect to time, with respect to detail, with respect to purpose. And then, finally, God's sovereignty with respect to man's responsibility. With respect to man's responsibility. In the closing part of this sermon, we want briefly to review man's responsibility in the light of God's sovereignty. We read in our text, The heart of man plans his way. But the Lord establishes his steps. In the light of all that has been said about God's sovereignty, does does this mean that a man ought not to make plans? That a man ought not to set goals? That a man ought not to have targets to aim for? And the answer to that uh, threefold question is an absolute no. The text is not condemning planning. What we have before us is a statement of fact. The heart of man plans his way. But the Lord establishes his steps. Man, as a responsible human being, is to plan. As a person made in the image of God, he is to set goals. He is to establish targets. But as he does so, it should always be with the recognition, it should always be with the knowledge that it is only as the Lord will, if the Lord wills, that his plans will come to pass, that his plans will succeed. Back over 20 years ago, the Lisbon session set goals, established goals to share with the, the members of the congregation. Goals that were were summarized in three simple words. 
bringing uh, and building and branching. And we set before the, 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 the congregation the vision of, of bringing people under the preaching of the word, bringing family or, or friends or neighbours or contacts that, that they would hear the word of God and be converted. And we're thankful to God that, that they caught that vision. And that happened. The second goal was building. That we, met, we would see people built up in the faith and strengthened in their service of Christ. And the third goal was, was branching. That we wouldn't be content to, to establish a, a, a witness in, in, in Lisburn, but that we would extend and establish centers of witness in other places. And, and in all of these, God, God led us to do things like that. We established goals and we looked to God to help us to fulfill them. So the text is not a condemnation of planning, but a realization that in the outworking of God's sovereign purpose, our plans may be overruled. Man proposes, God disposes. Man devises, God directs. As rational human beings made in the image of God, we are to use our minds. We are to think. We are to work things out. We are to plan. We must seek to be organized. But it's always with the realization that all our plans, all our suggestions, all our schemes are subject to the will of God Almighty. The plans of the week have been announced prior to the worship service. But again, it's with the understanding that they're all subject to the sovereign will and purpose of the Lord our God. James, the brother of our Lord, in chapter 4 of his book, speaks on this subject of planning, verses 13 to 15. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. What we must accept concerning God's sovereignty is that God is able to bring to pass his eternal purpose through the free actions of sinful men, through our plans and ambitions and goals. We must accept this, even though we cannot explain it. You cannot explain it to me, and I cannot explain it to you. If men were not free in this sense, then we would not be men. Then we would not be the image bearers of God. We would be like machines or, or robots. But men are free. We have a free will. God respects the dignity of, of, of human beings, of the human personality. We are created in an image of God and as rational creatures we are to use our minds, but always to remember the choices men make, whether for good or evil, 
The outcome is already determined by God. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. According to the scriptures, every decision made by each person, whether a believer or unbeliever, is already planned by God, determined by God from all eternity. We see this in the very familiar words of Ephesians 2, verse 8 and following. It states, beginning of verse 8, By grace ye are saved. But for what purpose? Verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. From all eternity, God had determined the good works that you were to do and I was to do, the service that we were to render in his kingdom. And so we are thankful for that. We have the example of Jesus in his death. Acts 2 verse 23. Speaking to the Jews, Peter on the day of Pentecost said, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. It was the plan of God from all eternity. And yet through the free actions of sinful men, they nailed him to the cross and put him to death. So even though wicked men acted against God in this way, they were doing exactly as God had planned. Sinful man may have thought that they were upsetting God's plan, but in fact they were fulfilling it. Take the example of Joseph and his terrible experience in Egypt. The brothers, without any coercion, without any pressure, freely decided to sell Joseph as a slave into Egypt. And yet, as Joseph later realized, this was all part of God's sovereign purpose. Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, speaking to his brothers, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Now, as we conclude, bear this in mind. Even though God overrules all our plans and all our choices and all our decisions to fulfill his eternal plan and to glorify his name, remember that you're still accountable for all the choices that you make. You're still accountable for every decision that you take. The Jews were called to account for the execution of Jesus. Joseph's brothers were called to account for selling him as a slave into Egypt. Jesus Christ is offered to you in the gospel. You have a choice to make. Will you receive him? Will you accept him as your saviour and lord? Will you acknowledge that, that he died for sins upon the cross? Don't ever evade the challenge by raising the subject of election. You're responsible for what you do with Jesus. So you're commanded to believe in him. And to repent of all your sin. Yes, there is a mystery. A deep mystery between God's sovereignty 
and man's responsibility, human pride would suggest that we attempt to solve the mystery. But on this side of heaven, it can't be solved. And so we must submit our minds to the teaching of Holy Scripture and cry out with Martin Luther, let God be God. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. We are rational human beings. We must plan and are accountable for our plans. Nevertheless, God overrules in all our plans to bring to pass his eternal purpose and for the glory of his holy name. Amen. Let us come before the Lord in prayer. Amen. Father in heaven, we we do thank you and praise you and magnify you for being such a great God, one who dwells in heaven on high, one who rules over all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And we thank you, Father, that you have revealed this to us, that you are sovereign over all the affairs of men and nations, and you call everyone to account for for what they do. We thank you also, our Father, that you've revealed to us that we are responsible, that we are responsible creatures made in the divine image, uh, to use our minds, to think and, and to plan and to set goals and establish targets. But as we do so, help us always to remember that it is only as the Lord wills that this or that will come to pass. So our Father, Uh, Keep us humble. Uh, Take away from our hearts uh, any uh, trace of pride or arrogance that we might seek to be your faithful servants always as we serve you in this world. O Lord, hear our prayer, accept of our thanks. Bless us as we conclude our worship for Jesus' sake. Amen.